0: there we go. <laughs> There's even power in the parentheses, isn't there? That's so good. Well, happy Father's Day. So I love the, uh, the way Jesus describes miracles. He describes them as the works of the Father. And so it's interesting. Jesus says, if I don't do miracles, you don't have to believe anything I say. Isn't that interesting? Here's where I see the church going. I see the church getting to a point where part of, I almost feel like it's illegal to do evangelism without miracles. Jesus says, "If you, uh, he says, if you, I only do what I see the Father doing." And He says, "If I'm not doing miracles, if I don't do the works of the Father, you don't have to believe anything I'm saying. Why? Because it's an incomplete revelation of the Father. If miracles aren't accompanying it, right. if we're not seeing impossibilities, bow their knee to the name of Jesus, then it's not a proper representation of the Father. Right. If you want to make theology really simple, Jesus said this. <clears throat> he didn't do that part." <clears throat> He's getting their attention. Dramatic clearing of the throat. There's even power in the clearing of the throat, even. So Jesus said, You want to make theology really simple? Do this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Hold on, give me a second here. I'm going to gargle here. Let's make theology simple. He says, If you fathers being evil, in other words, you're not perfect, you got issues, if you desire to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father desire to give good gifts to his children? Guys, you want to make theology real simple? If you wouldn't do it to your child, God wouldn't do it to you. If you would do it for your child, God will do it for you. If your kids are sick, would you do something to make them well? Well, then guess what? That's some pretty good theology. Let's just make it real simple. Cut past all the theological arguments. If your kid was sick, you would do anything in your power to make them well. I got some good news for you. God's like that, but at a whole higher level. So here's where I see I see this church going. Is I mean, can you imagine you get to the point where you, if you were witnessing to someone, said, "Listen, you don't have to believe a word I'm saying unless I heal your knee," <laughs> and you heal the knee, they do that. I actually did that one time. You guys want to hear that story? I didn't I didn't plan on sharing any of this. I got a couple of scribbles written down, but you guys want to hear the story? Yeah. This is wild, and so. Um, yeah, it was definitely a gift of faith. The gift of faith, it eliminates all fear, and you'll do something way stupider than you would do if you were thinking about it. <laughs> and so I got invited to speak at, uh, oh, jeez, what school is that? Um, Denison, Denison University uh, in Granville, Ohio. And, uh, and so <clears throat> there was a girl from our school who was attending there, and they, uh, it was some world religions class or something. And they brought in, like, the Wiccan witch, and they brought in a Hindu, and they brought in uh, some bunch of weird stuff. And so, like, the one person was, like, chanting over the students and doing a whole bunch of weirdo stuff. And so uh, our student raises her hand and asks the teacher, she says, hey, can my, my um, pastor come talk about the powerful God of Christianity? I was like, oh, my gosh, you have to put it like that. And so as I go there, I got my little, my little talk ready. And I'm talking. They could care less what I'm saying. You know, I'm talking about how Jesus was the most normal Christian and, you know, uh, Jesus did miracles. So it's normal for Christians to do miracles. They could care less what I'm saying, right? They're on their phones. And so I started sharing healing testimonies. So I was sharing about people getting out of wheelchairs, metal dissolving out of bodies, tumors dissolving, not impressed, not impressed in the least. They're still not impressed. So this is what comes out of my mouth. This is where the gift of faith comes in. This comes out of my mouth. Before I could pull the words back in, I said this, hey, I'm going to talk for a few more minutes, and at the end of this, I'm going to pray for people. And, uh, and if I pray and you get healed, you know I'm telling the truth. If I pray and nothing happens, you'll know I've been lying this whole time. I thought, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, like if the rapture could happen now, that would be awesome. So I had a guy with me. I looked at him. I'm like, I don't even know what happened. And so now they're on the edge of their seat. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, how do I get out of this with some dignity, you know? So I talk a little bit more. And so, you know, on the inside, I'm freaking out. On the outside, I'm, I'm keeping Mr. Cool. And so... I said, all right, uh, who needs prayer? So the first person stands up, and she's got crutches. I thought, oh, no, not crutches. <laughs> not crutches. Couldn't it be like, yeah, I got a little pain behind my eye. Yeah, it's feeling a little better. Yeah, I got, you know. And so, no, no, she got crutches. And so she, uh, you know, crutches her way up there. So I say, what's going on? And so uh, she was a scholarship volleyball athlete. And she had just had, um, she had a torn meniscus, and she just had surgery two days before. Not two weeks, not two months, two days. Fresh stitches, Right. And so I'm like, all right, you know, let's pray. And so I I put my hand on her knee, in the name of Jesus, knee be healed, something like that. I said, check it out. So I'm picturing check it out, like gently put weight on the leg to see if it's, no, 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 no. She starts taking off the cast. I'm thinking, lawsuit. Lawsuit. And so she kind of hobbles on like the back, so there's like a chair in front of her. She hobbles on the back of a chair, drops her butt cheeks down to her ankles. Boom. Starts moving back and forth and comes back up and she's got tears in her eyes, and she says, my knee's healed. She looks at, she looks at her teammate, and it was awesome. The, uh, you know, they're, they're not religious group there. You know, I don't know if there's any Christians in the room. The person who invited me from our church wasn't even in the room, and so um, it's just me. You know. And so uh, the, the class, they didn't know what to do. They just start spontaneously cheering. She says, I'm healed. They start cheering. So on the inside, I'm thinking, thank God. On the outside, I'm still playing at Mr. Cool. No lie, this is what I said. Next. <laughs> No like Next. You know, as if this is what we do. I want to get to this point. I'm prophesying to you. Here's a picture of what happened. Next. So the next guy comes up, this big tough guy, and he's like, yeah, I was playing rugby. I got this bruise on my leg. I'm picturing, oh, you know, that's cute, like a little bruise. Pulls it up. He's got like a bruise, like the size of, I don't know, like a head or a shoulder. It was a giant, like, uh, like Charlie horse bruise. Pulls up his sweatpant, We pray. The bruise disappears in front of everybody. Yeah, that's what they did what did I do next (laughs) person comes up prayer heal prayer heal I'm just saying guys that's a picture of what God wants to do Jesus says if I'm not doing the works of the father I love that they're the works of the father these are the kind of things that fathers do for their children they heal boo-boos all right I got some good news for you your breakthrough is not in the future your breakthrough is already paid for in the past we're not up there, oh, just around the corner, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. i got some good news for you. It already came 2,000 years ago on the cross. Faith is not looking forward to some future event about what God's going to do. Faith is looking backwards at what Jesus already did and saying, yes, I'll receive that. You have to understand, he already said yes. Not like, oh, boy, in the future, if I'm good enough, and I go, I'm i just going to worship hard enough, and I can cringe my face enough, and get rid of enough sin, then he, no, no, no. I'm so, okay i got to watch my language here. I don't cuss, but I was going to say C-R-A-P, but I'm not going to say crap. <laughs> I'm tired of this crap. Or they're teaching that God's holding back revival, and if we'll just pray hard enough, then he'll get off his lazy throne... Folding with his arms with his furrowed brow, and then he will embrace us. He'll turn from his fierce wrath. And then he'll guys, he's already turned from his fierce wrath because he poured out all of his wrath, because he who knew no sin became sin. He poured out his wrath upon his son who became sin. He has no more wrath left for us. As if God's up, you know, as if we care about America more than God. Oh God, save America. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're not good enough. That's the whole point of the cross. We weren't good enough. So he sent the one who was good enough so He all of his kids could come back home. It's good news. I want to talk to you today about the number one reason. So I, I believe once you believe that it's God's will to heal, which hopefully, if, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you believe it's always God's will to heal. The, the title of the series Healing is God's idea. Oh, well, Let's start off with a confession. I think we've done this every time. Some traditions are good. You ready? Let's say this after me. Healing is not my idea. Healing is, not my idea. Healing is God's idea. Is God's idea. I'm, not I'm not trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. So once you believe it's always God's will to heal, like Jim, how can you say it's always God's will to heal? You know, I know Aunt Margaret or Aunt Mildred, she was the godliest person I knew, and she didn't get healed. Listen, guys, um, quit looking at that person's righteousness as a reason for them to get healed. Yes. Okay? The reason that Aunt Mildred or anybody, or yeah, I was going to say Siddharth, who's Hussein, who's dead, um, some horrible person, some, some dictator and some, form, what, who, ISIS, ISIS, if they're going to get healed, it's not going to be because they got rid of all their ISISness and they became It's not. It's not because they suddenly became this awesome person. Oh, ISIS helped someone across the street. No, God's like, oh, that's so nice. I'm going to reward you with some healing. You're going to get healed because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because you're amazing, not because you earn it, not because you're warming God's heart with your fasting. So once you believe it's always God's will to heal, I believe the number one hindrance from people getting healed, seeing people healed in their family, receiving healing from themselves, whatever that might be, is uh, self-righteousness. Here's what self-righteousness does, is it causes you to focus on yourself instead of focusing on Jesus. You're like, Jim, I'm not self-righteous. Well, how many of you realize sometimes it's easier to pray for someone else to get healed than it is for yourself to get healed? Why? Because you don't know them. (laughs) If you knew them, you wouldn't be any more impressed with them than you are with you. But you know yourself. You know your faults. Can I just share a little secret? Everyone in here is imperfect. Everyone in here has broken places that Jesus is still healing. So don't put anyone up on a pedestal, whether it's Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker, the Pope, whoever your man or woman of God is, um, don't put them on a pedestal. They still need Jesus just as much as you do. I'm not saying they haven't developed in their character and that they're walking in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not saying those kind of things. I'm just saying they don't deserve healing or anointing or being used by God any more than you do. And so what happens is we don't realize that. You know, if if, if, Benny Jensen, Benny Jensen, Benny Johnson, you know, Benny Hinn. (laughs) I always want to say Benny Hill. That was like the perverted English show when I was a kid that I wasn't allowed to watch. It's Benny Hinn. Um... Whoever the person is that you think is awesome at healing, Bill Johnson, Andrew Womack, if they came up there and they're like, hey, bring someone up here, you would have more confidence in their ability to heal the sick than your ability to heal the sick. You know why? Because you know how unworthy you are. You don't know how unworthy they are. If you knew how unworthy they are, listen, God's standard is perfection. Everything else doesn't count. There isn't a perfect person on the planet since Jesus walked the earth. So it's not your perfections. It's Jesus' perfection. In case you haven't noticed, it's the same sermon every week, just from a different angle. But we need it. If Jesus will heal one imperfect person, He will heal you, another imperfect person. If Jesus will use an imperfect person to heal the sick, He will use another imperfect person to heal the sick. You. God hasn't had anybody qualified working for them yet, and you and I ain't going to be the first. How we doing? No one receives healing because they're smarter, more gifted, more moral, or even more spiritual. These are bombs. I hope you guys are catching them here. It's never about us except that we are greatly loved. That's the part that is about us. It always will be and always has been about Jesus. Here's something I say just about every week. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He'll heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. So, just big picture of you. At our church, if you come to Zion, if you've been to a newcomer's dessert, we're going to start saying this more often to get it more clear. But if you come to Zion, there's going to be five things that are going to be true of you. It's just going to get on you if you'll participate with us. You're going to be best friends with Jesus. You're going to be naturally supernatural. You're going to be debt free and outrageously generous. You're going to have a healthy kingdom family. And you're going to discover, develop, and deploy your destiny. So, right now, we're looking at that second one naturally supernatural, helping us uh, get equipped for healing. And, guys, there is a special, God has different calls for different churches. And uh, part of our calling is to see healing rise in this city, yeah. is to dig a healing wall for this state. And so, um, so we're going to be going after it. You guys okay? All right, I'm not alone in this, right? All right, so we're in a series, healing is God's idea. And uh, in part one, we looked at how it's always God's will to heal. Part two, we looked at you receive healing the same way you receive salvation. You guys remember that? we believe that was only seven days ago. Man, a lot has happened in seven days. My goodness, time is like slowing down or something. All right, so uh, here we are in part three. The only people Jesus heals. Do you want to know who the only people Jesus heals? Are people who don't deserve it. So stop trying to deserve it. When you start trying to deserve it, the Bible calls that works righteousness. It says you've cut yourself off from grace, and it's like Christ is of no longer any value to you. Why? Because you don't need Jesus, because now you're going to earn it. Or you can scrap that plan, and you can go with the Jesus plan and say, you know what? What Jesus did is enough. I'm completely relying upon that. Guys, guess what? This works for prosperity, too. God, if you'd have abundant provision. I'm not talking about every Christian... You know, being a gazillionaire and being fat and sassy and having, you know, 30 cars and all that I'm stuff. I'm not talking about everyone having an abundance of things. I'm talking about having the provision for your vision. Listen, God would be cruel to give you vision, dreams, gifts, talents on the inside of you and then pull back the provision and watch you squander. And say, well, maybe in the millennium things will be better. How we doing? Like, Jim, is this the health and wealth gospel? I got some good news for you. Jesus didn't die for the sickness and poverty gospel. <clears throat> Turn with me in your iPhones to Romans chapter 5. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Be reading from the English Standard Version at first, and then we'll be switching to some other translations. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, this is speaking of Adam, the first Adam, the first man, okay? Um, Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. In other words, a bunch of bad stuff happened through this one man. And he's going to say, here's some good news. There's a whole bunch of good stuff that's going to come into your life because of one man. You have to understand this. God God sees the human race in one of two people. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. We're going to look at how everyone was born in Adam here in just a second. The word reign in this passage refers to the way that a king would reign in ancient Rome over judicial courts. In other words, you're going to reign in life as a king. doesn't mean you're never going to have any problems. It means you're going to have an authority no matter what problem you face. Are we okay? Am I talking too fast? Are we all right? I just spoke at this event last week. It was a group of non-Christians, I, but it's been a long time since i spoke in to a group of non-Christians. And uh, they said that I spoke on one point, or what did I say, 1.5 speed or two speed? They're like, yeah, Jim speaks on two speed. And so I'm like, all right, my poor church, I gotta slow it down to at least one and a half speed here for you guys. The Bible says clearly that we are to reign in life through Jesus Christ by receiving what? The gift of righteousness and an abundance of grace. All right, so we're going to look at those two things. <clears throat> Let's look at the next verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 18. I'm going to read this one from the New Living Translation. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Everybody say, boo, Adam. Boo. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, Many will be made righteous. Leave that verse up there, because I'm going to ask you a question. Don't answer out loud. Well, you can answer this part out loud, but now I'm going to ask you a trick question, and I don't want you to ask that one out. So not a trick question. Did you, um, did you, before you were a believer, when you did righteous acts, did that make you righteous? Okay, so, you know, like I said, ISIS helping the old lady cross the street, doing a righteous act. Does that make them righteous? No, no, that's not what makes them righteous, okay? Okay, this one's a little bit different. Now that you have been made righteous, you're in Christ. If you do a sinful act, does that make you a sinner? The answer is no. It's not actions that make you righteous or unrighteous. It's your nature. It's whether you are in Adam or you are in Christ. I don't want to split theological hairs, but are you a sinner because you sin or are you a sinner because you were born that way? Yeah, Lady Gaga got it right, born that way. Isn't that right? Bible teaches you're a sinner because you were born a sinner. I want you guys to get this. You're a sinner because you were born that way, not because you do sinful things. You're a righteous because you were born again that way, not because you do righteous things. And so now that you've been made righteous and you do something wrong, God's not like, oh, you're unrighteous, kicked out of the family, born again, again, oh, you've been made righteous, you, you, uh, you repented and You know, there's a doctrine called eternal security, which believes you can never lose your salvation. Uh, There's also what I call uh, eternal insecurity, which means you lose it every single time that you sin. That's how I was raised. I had theological whiplash. (laughs) Best illustration I know of this is the story of David and Goliath. So there's a principle of battle in uh, in the ancient Near East back then where one person could stand for all. So you guys remember the story. Um. Uh, One person could stand for the whole, that what happens in the history of one person affects the history of every person. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, remember Goliath sends out this challenge to Israel. Goliath stood up and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? this, This is this giant using logic. This is interesting. Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Saul was the king of Israel. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day, uh, this is where he, he, he got bad. This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. So here's a Goliath. He's nine feet tall. He's got weapons in proportion to his size. And he's throwing down the gauntlet on Israel. And what he's saying makes a lot of sense. Hey, why have all this bloodshed? You know, We'll have a champion from Philistia, me, and I'm going to come out and I'll fight you. And now you send out a representative. Whoever wins, the other people become their slaves, right? That makes logical sense, except that he's a giant and, you know, no one else is big. So you imagine the scene. It says he came and did this every sunup and sundown. And so the, um, the Philistines, they wore this highly polished brass armor. They wore these, like, Indian headdresses that made them look larger than life. So you can imagine as the sun's, like, just beaming at its peak there. Here he is, just glowing with this armor, throwing out this challenge. And so, uh, you know, everyone, everyone's scared to death. And so... Um, so David, he's at home. He's too young for the draft. And so David's father sends him to his brothers. That almost sounds prophetic. The father's sending someone to his brothers to save them. And so, uh, so his son goes out there and David gets there. And he, you know, this had been going on for six weeks, but he thinks it's the first time or the challenge. The this, this Philistine gets out there. I defy the armies of God. And so David's like, hey, what what are we going to do? You know, what's going on? Well, Saul already trying to sweeten the pot. Saul said, hey, anyone who defeats the giant gets to marry my daughter. They're like, she's a good looking, but uh, she's not that good looking, you know. Um, No one, uh, and then Saul says, hey, no one has to pay taxes anymore. And uh, everyone's like, well, dead men don't pay taxes. We're not going to face this giant. That's not a great deal. Right, And so David comes out there, you know the story, he, uh, you know, he puts on Saul's armor, it doesn't fit, but David had been training at home, killing the lion and the bear when no one was looking, so he could kill the giant when everyone was looking. So he gets out there with his slingshot, and you have to understand, when David goes out to square off against Goliath, it's not David versus Goliath, it's not one versus one, it's the history of one people, and the history of all the other people. You have to understand, you and I, in a sense, were in David, All the people that were standing on the sidelines, their history was tied to his history. Even David's unborn children and his lineage, whatever happened to David was going to affect them for generations, even though they weren't there for the battle. Are you guys getting the picture? So as David goes out there in his sandals, he's like this mosquito, you know, uh, just pestering, pestering Goliath. And the armor only had one weakness. It was right between the visor, where the visor met. It was like that small weakness on the Death Star. Remember that? Where Luke Skywalker had her fire his laser cannon in that two-meter thermal exhaust port, and it would cause a chain reaction to the Death Star. You guys remember that? Yes. But luckily, he'd been uh, practicing in his T-16 on his home planet of Tatooine shooting womp rats. You guys remember this? Yes. It's just like that. There's this one small weakness in the Death Star right here. And so David knows this. So David goes, and he picks up five smooth stones. And um, as legend says, Goliath had four brothers Five stones, Goliath plus four. Anyway, he gets the, he gets the smooth stones. That's really, and so um, he gets it, and you have to understand this. All of Israel could feel the weight of, their sto- of those stones in their hand because as, as went David, so went them. It was as if they were in David. Whatever happened to David happened to them. So David goes out there, and uh, he, puts it, he puts the stone in the sling, and every uh, Israelite could feel the whizzing of the sling by their ear because they were in David. David was not just fighting for them, he was fighting as them. Are you guys getting this? And so David goes, he lets the, uh, the stone go, it goes down that two meter thermal exhaust port and causes a chain reaction in the dust. He hits him right in the spot, knocks out Goliath, he takes out Goliath's sword, hacks off his head, holds up the head of the giant, and all of Israel shouts, we won, even though they didn't lift a finger. I want you guys to get this. <clears throat> The Father sent our older brother, Jesus, to save us. And Jesus went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, he wasn't just dying for you, he was dying as you. The Bible says literally he is representing the entire human race. And so um, here's what Romans 6 says, when he died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. When he went to the throne, you went to the throne. Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you. So, you guys, you are either in Adam with all your generational curses, hot mess, issues, issues, or you are in Christ, and now you have access to a new kind of life. Not just a do-over. Oh, yeah, yeah, you you were a big screw-up there. Now you're forgiven. Now try harder. That's the message of religion. Here's the message of religion. You're not doing nearly enough. You need to try a whole lot harder. Jesus rose from the dead, and you can't even get out of bed an hour early to pray, and they just start laying on the guilt. And for some reason, people's flesh loves it. Tell me how bad I am. You want to have sin in the church? I'll tell you what to do. Just preach on sin. There's, there's this weird th- thing out there that if you're not saying how bad America is and how bad it is out there, then you're not preaching the gospel. I got, I got some news for you. You're, you're a sinner in need of Jesus. That's not the good news. That's just the truth. Stop being shocked that sinners are sinning. And that we have to stand up and say, sin is bad. Otherwise, we're agreeing with it. Guys, Jesus didn't walk around pointing his finger. Jesus was harsh on religion, loving towards sinners. Somehow the church has reversed it. We think we've got to stand up and say how bad sin is, and we excuse the fact that there's issues in our life. Wow, what wonder what evangelism would look like if we loved people? stop telling the liberals or the democrats or the republicans or the progressives or whoever you think is the bad guy they're not the bad guy if you can hug them they're not your enemy are we wrestle not against flesh and blood if you can hug them it's not your fight against them there's a spiritual war behind it and it will only be won with love how are we doing Let's see Coming up with this spontaneously. This water is in this bottle. You see that? If I lift it up, it goes up. If I lift it down, if I go between legs, <laughs> whatever happens to this bottle, the water follows it. Whatever happens to the water, happens to the bottle. You are in Christ. Whatever happens to Christ happened to you. When he died, you died. You have to understand, guys, there's not this old nature and this new nature. And if you feed the old nature and you watch a whole bunch of bad movies and, you know, whatever, I don't know, whatever you're feeding your old nature with, you know, greed or whatever, and then, then that old man gets bigger. And then, you know, but if you'll feed the good man and you'll read your Bible and go to church, then the good man grows. And whichever beast, no, 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 the old man is dead. How do I know that? You, when Christ died. You died. Whatever happened to him happened to you. You have to understand. You have a covenant representative now. Your access to heaven is not based on your performance, it's based on the fact that you're in him. How can you boldly come, How dare you think you can boldly come to the throne of grace? What makes you think you're good enough? The blood of Jesus makes me think I'm good enough. Amen. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm not putting any, any ounce of courage of just being impressed with anything that I'm doing. I'm not trying to pry God's hand open with my Bible reading. I'm not thinking, okay, I need a miracle. I need to get rid of sin in my life. I'm not saying it's not a good idea to get sin out of your life. I'm just saying good luck with getting rid of all that sin out of your life. He who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin to him. You're just basically sitting here sinning like crazy. It's good you know you should be doing and not doing it. But aren't you glad that God is not dealing with you on the basis of how good you are, how moral you are, how spiritual you are? He's not rewarding you with anointing and answers to prayer and favor based on your performance, but based on the fact of his son's performance. He says that you'll receive it on the gift of righteousness. What's righteousness? Righteousness means you've entered into a realm where God is no longer dealing with you based on your behavior or your performance. He's dealing with you based on Jesus' behavior and Jesus' performance. Is this good news to anybody here? Imagine a boy who has got a a diamond the size of his fist, and it's just absolutely beautiful. It's a perfect, I don't know, what is that, V1? I can't remember. Remember when we took the diamond class? Cut, color, clarity, carrot. Was it VVS1? That's That's the clearest There's five C's, cut, cut, who cares? Anyway, it is a perfect diamond. It's absolutely beautiful, and he loves it. But the problem is every time he plays with it, it gets dirty, right? So he's got to take it, but luckily he lives by a waterfall at his house. And so he takes it back over to this waterfall and washes it off, and then it's beautiful again. But then as kids do, they start playing with it, and it gets dirty. And he goes back to the waterfall, and welcome to the old covenant. You have this beautiful covenant with God. And then they would get dirty. And they would have to come under this waterfall of forgiveness and offer a sacrifice. And they'd be, they'd be good for a little bit, and then they would get dirty again. Have to come back over here and offer another sacrifice. A lot of Christians are still living under the Old Covenant. I feel like God's pleased with them after they offer the repentance offering, or after they you know, do something good and go to church, and then God's pleased with me. But then they go and they get dirty again. And If, I, if I'm going to get pleased with God again, I'm going to have to go back over here, I got some good news for you. This little boy figured out that, you know what, if you wanted to keep that thing clean, there was, this, uh, there was this little cleft of this rock that fit the diamond in perfectly, and it could continually be under this waterfall and continually be cleansed. Welcome to the new covenant. You live under a waterfall of forgiveness. I got some good news for you. Hebrews 9 says you live in, a re- in eternal redemption, which means all of your sins, past, present, and future, are already forgiven. Hold on, Shem. Are you saying that God has forgiven me of my future sins? You better hope so, because he only died once. That's what Hebrew 9 says. He's not like, oh, Baker's up there exaggerating. Cross again. Oh, Baker had a bad thought. Cross again. Baker's been on those gun websites lusting over that pistol from Akai Custom Gunworks. Lust again. Oh, it's so beautiful. You can't even believe it. Built-in compensator to reduce muzzle flip. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> Hold on, what are we talking about here? Waterfall of forgiveness. <clears throat> are you guys understanding? Do you understand how you can now come boldly to the throne of grace? It's not come boldly to the throne of performance. Oh, oh, you did good. Now you can be bold. No, 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 Jesus did good. You can come into this tender father who happens to run the universe and lives in a throne of unapproachable light, and yet you can approach him because of what Jesus has done. When you stay sun-conscious, you live under a waterfall of forgiveness. When you stay sin-conscious, you live under a waterfall of condemnation. Whatever you focus on determines your experience. I got some good news for you. Between you and Jesus, there's no distance and no separation. A lot of the teaching on revival, all it is doing is teaching you a theology of separation. A lot of the teaching on you need to be hungrier for God, hunger, 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 hunger is what moves heaven. No, 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 no. What moves heaven is what Jesus did. That hunger theology is simply a declaration of your belief of your distance from him. Instead of being hungry, how about you just feast on what is? How about you abide? I'm not talking about the opposite as complacency is a good thing. Listen, if I had complacency in my marriage, that wouldn't be a good thing. Ah, she already said yes. She's stuck in a covenant. She can't do anything. No, 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 no. That's like, that's not a great, that's a great marriage. There's a pursuit to, you know, to continue to. Discover what's in our heart to continue to enjoy intimacy and fellowship, and like all, all all those things. I'm not. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but I'm telling you, hunger can become another kind of work. Well, if you're not hungry enough, then you're not going to get the anointing. If you're not good enough, you're not going to get the anointing. And here's the way to tell the difference between old covenant preaching and new covenant preaching. Old covenant preaching disqualifies you because you need to do some things. New covenant preaching qualifies you because of what Jesus has done. Period. So anytime you're hearing a message that's making you think, I need to do more, I'm not good enough, that's Old Covenant preaching. Let's use an example. Let's say there was a preaching on um, marriage, with to marriage uh, a conference, and you came out thinking, I need to work harder on my marriage, Okay, which that, that could be a good thing, maybe you do. New Covenant preaching, would say, here's some good news, because you're united to Jesus, you now have a grace to work on your marriage. You have a grace to love with God's kind of love, not just with a human kind of love. God's kind of love loves you regardless of your condition. Human kind of love loves you when you earn it, when you're good enough, when you're lovely. See the difference? Let's apply it to healing. So if you're healing a message on healing and you're thinking, man, I need to do better. I need to get rid of the sin in my life. you know, I can't even tell you how many healing messages I've heard that are disqualifying you because you need to go break generational curses. You need to get rid of sin. You need to show your faith by throwing out your medication. You need to do all these ridiculous things that Jesus never made anybody do. They just simply came to him expecting him to help, and he counted that as faith. How we doing? Let me read you a couple highlights from Romans 5, uh, the Passion Translation. These are not on the slides. God now declares us flawless in his eyes. I could ruin someone's theology right there. I'm just a worm. Oh, Father, I heard some of these prayers. It's like they spend five minutes talking about how unworthy they are. Uh, this one minister, every time he would get up there, he would talk about how unworthy he is. I'm like, why do I want to listen to you then? You're miserable. Oh, Father, if you could but somehow use these lips of clay. If you could, I'm like, quit focusing on yourself. If anything good is going to happen, it's because there's power in the gospel. Goodness gracious. You are, uh, ready for this, you are guaranteed permanent access into his marvelous kindness. Permanent access. Lifetime membership into his permanent access. Through the blood of Jesus, he now declares you, you are righteous in my sight. Here's one of my favorites. And because of, I'm just quoting you. These aren't even paraphrases, these are quotes. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Some of you need to put that in your mirror. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Well, I don't know, Jim. If God doesn't judge San Francisco for their sins, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if he does judge San Francisco for their sins, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus. Oh, wow. Just because they got the name prophet in front of their name doesn't mean they're speaking on behalf of God. The disciples are like, hey, can we call on fire? He's like, you don't even know what spirit you're of. And yet today, people are like, God's going to call on fire. He's going to send a wave of death. He's going to do this. And you don't even know what spirit you're of. Do you understand we serve a good God? It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Not how angry you are. Do you remember the final clause of the new covenant? I don't think I gave you guys this one. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. When uh, uh, there, it's actually a double negative in the original language, I will remember your sins never again. The enemy comes and reminds you of, "I know what you did. I, I know what you did last summer." <laughs> Man, if these people, this church, knew what you were really thinking, they would cast you out. Heaven has just about had enough of hypocrites like you. Guess what? The only people that, um, that are in churches are hypocrites. <laughs> people who want to do stuff and we're not living it perfectly. I'm not saying we're intentionally trying to deceive people or put on acts. But guys, everyone in here has flaws and brokenness. Mostly you guys, not me. But, but still, <laughs> a little bit in there. God remembers your sins no more because he rem- remembered them in the body of Jesus. You guys ready for this? For God to remember your sins, he would have to forget what Jesus did. How could he do this? Because he puts you into the safest place you could ever be. He puts you into his son. God never look at yourself apart from Christ because God never does hope this is getting through. Listen, guys, sin is not a problem in the new covenant. Self-righteousness is the problem. This is the reason why Jesus could heal and come and love prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners, and the religious people just couldn't get it because they're stumbling over their own self-righteousness. Guys, if sin stopped people from receiving from God, then something went terribly wrong during the earthly ministry of Jesus because all the people he healed were sinners. All of them. They hadn't even had the new covenant yet. God only heals people who don't deserve it, so stop trying to deserve it. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He'll heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. I'm circling in for landing here. Sin does not change the way God feels about you, but it does change the way you feel about God. I'm just going to keep doing these. You guys all right? Sin does not change your relationship with God. It does change your relationship with the devil. As Romans 6 says, it says, you become a slave to whomever you obey. So when you're sinning, you're providing a landing strip for the enemy to come and wreak chaos in your life. That's why we don't sin anymore. Not so that God won't be mad at us. We don't want to open up the give the devil a foothold. I want you to imagine your life one million years from now. You have a transformed body in heaven. you are going to need a new body so it can withstand the glory of God you've been co-ruling the universe with Jesus and you've been burning in his glory for 1000 millennia. Please understand this. You will not be any more righteous in his eyes after 1000 year, 1000 millennia, a million years in heaven than you are this very moment. It's not like, ooh, they're improving nicely in my presence and ooh. This is this is no no no. It's the same. We're united to him. But for that to show up in our thoughts, feelings, and actions, it takes a little bit of time. Your spirit's made perfect. Your body, let's just be honest, its wasting away. All right? I got a friend that believes that he's going to live forever. I'm like, well, number one, uh, tell me about your investments because, you know, the compound interest on forever is pretty amazing. I don't have any investments. Well, you know, believe that you're living forever. Number two, I'm not going to, (laughs) anyway. Body's wasting away. But we got this soul, we got this mind, will, and emotions that needs to be renewed according to the truths of God. So that's what it means to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I need to remind myself of these truths: that God is not dealing with me based on my behavior; He's dealing with me based on Jesus' behavior. So, you guys, you guys have got the uh, they got the choice: self righteousness, I have to behave; son righteousness, I have to believe. we had this friend named Kurt, and uh, he was our next-door neighbor. He lived, uh, he lived next door to us, as next-door neighbors do. <laughs> and so uh, I've told this story many times, but it's just, it's just so true. So uh, this is back in my Pharisee days where I'm really trying to please God. I am going to work at it. I'm going to figure this thing out. I, I, I. And so Kurt knew I was going after healing. He went to our church. I think I just told this story recently. I don't know. I talk all day, so I don't even know why I say stuff. And so... Um, and so Kurt had this infected ear, and he couldn't hear out of his ear. And so he's at, the, he's at his workplace, and this lady's trying to talk to him, and he couldn't hear because his ear's so clogged. And she was an atheist. And Kurt's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I couldn't hear. I got this ear infection. She's like, oh, you got an ear infection. Why don't you pray to your God and have him heal you? So she thought it was on the gauntlet right there. Uh, he worked at United Way. So he comes. He's like, Jim, Jim, this lady threw it on the gauntlet. Will you pray for him? I said, listen, Kurt, I have not had enough time with God today. I need to take some time to pray I need to take some time to fast tomorrow, and then uh, at the end of the workday, let's meet together, and then we'll pray. Now, did you guys just notice where all the focus is? And I need to pray. I need to fast. You know what that's called? Self-righteousness. But it felt good because the flesh loves that. And so, uh, and this is ridiculous. I woke up the next day, forgot all about Kurt, ate breakfast. (laughs) I had two lunch appointments that day. This sounds like an exaggeration. It's like a divine setup. So uh, I, I ate lunch at the first appointment, ate lunch at the second appointment, and ate dessert at the second appointment. So I've committed the sin of gluttony. Not only have I not fasted, not prayed, now I'm committing the sin of gluttony. And so then I, I, so I'm driving home, and uh, I, I pull in the driveway, and I see Kurt standing there with his beaming face. I said, oh, no. I get out, head hung, shoulder slumped. I said, Kurt, I am so sorry. I did not pray. I have eaten like a pig. <laughs> I did not fast. That's okay. Let's just pray anyway. Okay. Praying nothing happened. Praying nothing happened, just like I knew it would. So now I'm thinking, like, how can I get out of this with some dignity? You know, I'm getting a little bit hungry. It's time for a fourth or fifth meal, whatever it is now. <laughs> like, it's dinner time. Flesh needs some stuff. And so... um, I'm just getting ready to give him this ridiculous well God is you know God is sovereign who can understand his ways. Yes, he's sovereignly chose to give you authority over every sickness, every disease, and every evil spirit. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't think all that. you God is sovereign who can know his ways. Healing's a mystery. Just give him this garbage answer that this does nothing for anybody. It's just really just gas. So I'm just getting ready to give him this answer. And I I feel like the Lord says to me, Is Kirk gonna get healed because you're good, Jim, or because God's good? I don't know how else to describe it. I felt like someone flicked me in the nose. I was like, what? Like, I'm trying to get Kurt healed on my goodness. I'm like, stop this. And so we prayed. We both audibly heard this pop. His ear pops and all the infection ran out. He was completely healed. Yeah, yeah, God. What happened there? Got my eyes off of what I needed to do and how good I needed to be, which disqualified me. And I qualified, our, qualified Kurt and myself for the healing because of what Jesus did in his goodness. In the Old Covenant, when somebody sinned, they, uh, they brought a lamb to the priest. And the priest would inspect the lamb to make sure it was perfect. The priest inspected the lamb. He never inspected the person. When you're coming to God, God is not looking at you to see whether or not you are worthy to be healed. He's looking at the lamb. And the lamb is perfect. So you're worthy to receive because of what Jesus has done. Are we okay here? Yeah. All right, I'm going to close with this story. Since it's Father's Day, I'm going to tell this story. I told this a bunch of times. Still good. So um, when I was a little boy, my dad had this top drawer in his dresser drawer. And this top drawer, he just had all sorts of treasures in there. I would go in there, and I just loved looking through these treasures. He had these cufflinks in there. He had these uh, coins and currency from different countries. He had, like, this little sewing kit that they used to give out in nice hotels. He had, like, this divot repair kit from, uh, um, for, like, golf courses. And I used to just go in there and just fondle these treasures. I just loved them. So one time he went on this business trip, and I went in there to his top drawer, and I t- oh, he had some tie clips, too. And... Um, So I went into his top drawer and I stole a bunch of things out of it and I put it in my desk drawer. I don't know what I was thinking, but here I'm just, you know, fondling all these treasures. So he gets home a couple days later and he's tucking me in for bed. And for some reason, he walks over to my drawer, opens it up, and he sees all these things in there. He says, Jim, what's going on in there? I'm like, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth. You know, I'm so sorry, you know. I'm like, Dad, I'm so sorry, I don't know what I was thinking. I stole it. He's like, I understand. He's like, Come with me. And so, um, I was kind of expecting to get a spanking. Didn't get a lot of spankings as a kid, but I, you know, I deserved a few. And so um, I'm going in there, and so he takes me into his room, and uh, this, this completely changed my life. I was probably eight or nine. He opens up his top drawer, and he says, Jim, I want you to look in there. <clears throat> he says, everything that I have belongs to you. What else do you want? Guys, I want you to get this. Grace is when you don't get what you deserved, you get what Jesus deserved. Guys, that, that's what we're talking about. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus got what you deserved, so you and I can get what he deserved. And I got some good news for you. God's top drawer is open. Ephesians 1, 3, where you've received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. His top drawer, everything good that he has is available to you. And so how do we receive it? By believing. By believing. Faith is simply responding to what Jesus has already done. Faith doesn't move God. It's not prying his hand open. If I just believe he, he just stops on crossing his arms and come. No, 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 no. He's already acted. Your breakthrough is not in your future. It's in your past. When you were buried with Christ, raised with him, now you have access to his top drawer of heaven. Let's stand for closing prayer. We're going to do this in two minutes, 30 seconds apiece. You guys ready for this? If you need uh, healing from the neck up, okay, brain issues, ear, teeth, mouth, neck, throat, back of the head, hair, I don't know, whatever else you need. So raise your hand. Okay, if you see someone with their hand raised, keep your hand raised until someone puts a hand on your shoulder. As soon as they put the hand on your shoulder, you're the prayer team. You can put your hand down. That means someone's praying for you. Here's what we're going to do, guys. Look at me for a second, okay? Um, Jesus' prayers were about five words. Take up your mat. Little girl, wake up. Eyes be opened. Okay, so we're not going to beg God. We're going to use our authority. He said he gave you authority to heal the sick. We're going to speak to that thing and tell tell it to move. And we're going to expect good things to happen. And we're going to keep believing until we see healing. Okay, and so don't stop believing after the prayer ends. I'm expecting good things right now. And so this person's qualified because of what Jesus has done. You praying for them, it's not because of your awesomeness. We're tapping and we're putting our trust in Jesus. What you did is enough. Okay? we got our eyes on him. We know if he were standing here, he would be healing this person. You're using his authority. Okay? So just ask him uh, uh, just 10 seconds. What do you want to see happen when we pray? Don't give him your medical history. Don't try to discourage the person praying for you. I got pain in my neck. I want to be able to move it pain-free. That's all you need to say, something like that. Okay? What do you want to see happen when we heal? 10 seconds. Go. Ask him. Five seconds. Stop. Okay, here's what you're going to do. Now that you know what you want to see happen, place your hand in that area and command it to be healed in the name of Jesus. Eye pain, leave, whatever it is. Command it, no more than two or three sentences. Have them check it out. Have them move around, see if there's a shift in it. If you want to pray for yourself, pray for yourself. Do that. We're putting our eyes on Jesus, expecting good things. Thank you, Jesus. All right, check it out. Move around a little bit. See if there's an increase. See if it's feeling better. How many of you are feeling some kind of uh, increase or, or benefit or healing flowing into you? Raise your hand. Wave your hand and wave around. Raise it around. Yeah. Yay, God. Awesome. All right, here we're going, guys. What's that? If you're feeling, if you're feeling improvement, wave your hand. Yeah. Yay, God. Awesome. Okay, waist to shoulders, waist to shoulders, stomach, kidneys, pancreas issues, anything in here. Don't make me name it, all right? And so raise your hand if you need prayer. Find the people who have have their hand raised. Guys, healing is flowing here. This is good news. Don't think, oh, there's not enough for me. Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. Hands raised. 10 seconds. What do you want to see happen when we pray? Tell them short, brief, and powerful. Go, 10 seconds. All right, command it to be healed. In the name of Jesus, speak to that thing. Shoulder be healed. Lungs open up. Stomach pain leave. Ulcer, heal up in the name of Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This healing, you can even confess this over them. This healing belongs to them because of what Jesus has done. Five more seconds. Check it out. Here's why we're checking it out. Faith needs an activity. Okay, Jesus said, stretch out your hand. Sometimes it's that very action of checking it out. Maybe you need to get in the aisle. Okay, how many of you are saying, you know what, Jim? I'm feeling some improvement. Something's happening in my body. Not like I hope something happens. I'm believing it. Like something's actually happening. Wave your hand. Awesome. Yay, God. Awesome. Yeah, yay, Jesus. All right, you guys ready for this? Hips to the Toes. Hips to the toes, and so uh, anything going on with your legs, knees, ankles, if it's hemorrhoids, we are not laying hands on that, we're speaking the word. Hips to the toes, raise your hand. You need something. Hips to the toes. Okay, guys. The hands are up there. Go over there.